I don't know about you, but seeing some of these vaccine incentives, isn't it all making you feel like you wish you waited maybe just a little bit to get your vaccine? <laughs> like I saw a free beer thing basically the day after I got mine. It was just like, damn. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I have a baby at home, so I was super thrilled to get vaccinated as soon as I could. Okay. Um, okay, I guess baby before beer. <laughs> yeah, well, baby instead of beer is really what happens, unfortunately. Hey there, Pulse Check listeners. This is Jeremy Siegel, continuing our special Pulse Check series on the coronavirus outbreak. Today, I'm talking with Dan Goldberg from Politico's health team about where different states and regions in the U.S. are with vaccinations and how they're trying to incentivize people to get vaccinated. Here's our conversation. So, Dan, right now, about 60 percent of adults in the U.S. and 48 percent of the total population have gotten at least their first coronavirus vaccine dose, which is pretty amazing thinking back to a few months ago. But vaccination rates, you know, the number of new people getting shots are slowing down. And to understand why that is, where we go from here and, you know, what we can learn from different parts of the countries and strategies with vaccinations, I was wondering if you could Walk me through the vaccination landscape in the country right now, maybe starting with the areas that are showing more promising data. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You can look at this regionally. Uh, The Northeast is doing the best. Credit goes to Maine people, right? You can't get X percentage of your population fully vaccinated unless X percent of your population wants to be fully vaccinated. You know, Maine became the first state with 50% of its population vaccinated. And at a time when other states across the country, from Alaska to Mississippi, are running into walls of hesitancy, we're not seeing that. We're seeing urgency in Maine. Connecticut, Vermont, Rhode Island, Massachusetts are right behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, if you look at the southeast, Those are all where the laggards are. Alabama is actually at risk of losing COVID vaccine to other states that may need it. So far, not enough people are getting their doses here. Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Louisiana, Tennessee are all at the bottom. As of this morning, 30% of Georgians are fully vaccinated. That's a low number compared to some parts of the country. 37% have received at least one. Do we know what's behind these numbers? Why we're seeing these good rates in the Northeast and these bad rates in the Southeast? So I'm going to point to one thing, and I want to emphasize that this is correlation, not necessarily causation. Uh The leading 13 states, if you look at percent of population vaccinated, all voted for Joe Biden. The bottom 15 states, you know, in the worst uh, category, all voted for Donald Trump. According to an NPR PBS Marist poll, 49% of Republican men, 47% of Trump supporters, and 41% of Republicans overall said that they would not get the vaccine, even if they had the opportunity to be vaccinated. And you can see this by congressional district as well. So it's not just a state versus state issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the congressional districts, by and large, with the lowest numbers, are Republican districts and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I emphasize it's correlation, not causation, is there are lots of other factors that play 
uh, into why certain areas are doing better than others, including access issues, public health challenges. I mean, Alabama, which is obviously a conservative state, has long had public health issues. So has Mississippi. Even religion can play a part in this. Um, and we're certainly still seeing black and brown communities underrepresented in the vaccine numbers across the country. So it is not solely a party affiliation issue. However, it is notable that as we go into month, I guess we're in month six of this now, you're really starting to see a divide uh, between the red states and the blue states. So beyond some of these broader geographical trends, what specifically do we know about who people who aren't getting vaccinated are? And is that something like we can really truly know that we have data on? We have some idea based on polling data. I mean, we do know that there's a, a small group of people, maybe 20 percent, um, who are hell no, we are not getting this vaccine. And included in that bucket of people are conspiracy theorists or people who don't take COVID very seriously. Um, there is a group of people with access issues. They don't have the child care. They don't have transportation. They can't get off work. You know, a lot of people still work two, three, four jobs just to make ends meet. And there's no way for them to take a day off if they should they get side effects from the vaccine. Um, so that's a separate bucket too. And, and there are efforts being made to work at that. The third bucket are sort of this more apathetic group of people, I would say. Hmm. Um, they'll get it eventually, but they don't see a sense of urgency. And you can see that in the data, uh, especially among younger people. So people, I would say under 40 years old, who traditionally have not gotten that sick from COVID. So they don't necessarily see the urgency of getting the vaccine. I think that's the, the group that some of these prizes that you're seeing in states are targeted at. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. We've seen a number of these flashy incentive programs pop up recently to encourage people to get vaccinated. Shout out to my home state of Ohio doing a, a lottery where you can <laughs> win a million dollars if you get a vaccine. West Virginia is giving out $100 savings bonds. There's some less exciting ones like the free beer I <laughs> missed out on. Um, I, and I think you forgot Memphis is giving out uh, away a car, I think. Um, <laughs> oh, OK. OK. So that's pretty cool. So there's there's a lot out there. But do we have any measure on how effective things like that are or could be with convincing people to get vaccines? Um, I, well, the short answer is we, we don't know, uh, yet if they will work. Um, we did see the, the rates of vaccination tick up in Ohio just after that announcement was made. Uh -huh. Um, but they've sort of kind of reverted to the mean mm. over the last few days. So it's, it's too early to tell. And, and Ohio is so far and above anything anyone else has done that it's really going to be a good case study. The problem is from a public health perspective, it's going to be really hard to know, unless Ohio blows the numbers out of the water, whether it was the million dollar prize or whether it was the vaccine now being uh, open to kids between 12 and 15 years old. Mm. Um, we don't have a great way of disaggregating these things. You know, we're, we're also now saying that uh, people who are vaccinated have more ability to go places without having to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there are some people who finally feel it's safe um, or some people who finally found childcare. So there's going to be a lot of, we're, there are a lot of things being thrown against the wall to target those different buckets of people that I mentioned earlier. And we're not entirely sure uh, which one works. And I was talking to somebody from West Virginia, actually, who said, you know, it doesn't really matter. We're, we don't even care why it works. Hmm. Um, you know, the analogy is sort of when the patient is sick and you don't know why, you just throw broad spectrum antibiotics at them, right? You just give them everything and see what see what happens. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think that's a little bit of what states are trying to do now. You know, we're offering it on college campuses. In New York, they're offering it at the subway. Um, sort of just throwing everything against the wall. And, and then we'll see in, a, in about a month where th- what works best and probably double down on those strategies. Well, you mentioning like where they're giving these vaccines, offering them on campuses or offering them in the subway. At this point, do we know whether some of these vaccination rate problems like are they due to a lack of access or are we at a point where it's basically like people aren't getting vaccines if they don't want them? You know what I mean? Like, is it an access problem or is it a demand problem we're seeing right now? It's both. No, it, it's both. Um, there are people with, as I mentioned before, with access issues. Um, you know, I, I just on a personal anecdote, I have friends who are, I would say, upper middle class, two working parents with three kids under five. It's really hard for them to find time to get vaccinated. And on top of that, they all, that whole family had COVID. So there's not a lot sense of urgency to get vaccinated because they feel, well, we already had it. Uh-huh. So you get that sort of mix of people who are really struggling just to, to fit this into their, the hecticness of their lives. And, and obviously those problems are compounded for people who aren't upper middle class, right? I mean, those problems are compounded for single moms, uh, for people who, like I said, working two jobs, back-to-back shifts, uh, or for people who can't get time off from work. You know, the, the president uh, last month or the month before asked employers to be generous and give people time off from work to get vaccinated. As we move into the vaccination campaign focused on working age adults, one concern I've heard from so many Americans is that they can't afford to take the time off to get vaccinated or lose a day's work because they have feeling slightly under the weather after the shot. No working American should lose a single dollar from their paycheck because they chose to fulfill their patriotic duty of getting vaccinated. But that's just an ask. A lot of places don't do it or a lot of places will dock your pay. And that means a lot to people. So there's definitely access problems that still exist. And and I think states are trying to be sensitive to that. But there is also a large group of people. I mean, we're talking millions of people who are just apathetic. Um, they, They may get it eventually. Um, But there's no real rush for them. For those people, you know, we heard a lot, I feel like weeks or months ago about programs intended to convince people to get vaccines, not incentive programs, but things like PSA announcements, you know, billboards and advertisements with like celebrities and stuff. Do we know if any of that stuff has worked or is working? Again, we don't really have good data on whether it has worked. I mean, you know, the, the bottom line is you'd probably say, no, it's not, because the pace of vaccination has so dramatically slowed over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I guess one of the things that we don't really have a good answer for is what does working mean? You know, if the, the federal government puts out a PSA or, um, you know, LeBron James sends out a tweet and 15 extra people get vaccinated, did it work? I, I don't know how to measure that per se. But as a overall number or as a bottom line answer, no, things are not working right now, which is why you're seeing states start offering million dollar prizes, right? I mean, they're, they're trying, I, I, I wouldn't say desperate, um, but certainly we, they are stretching for new ideas to get people vaccinated. I mean, we have more vaccine in this country right now than we know what to do with. Most states are not ordering their full allocation from the federal government. Um, And, you know, as Ohio shows, we really can't give this stuff away. Hmm. If things stay on the path they are right now, 
What does that mean for the timeline of reaching herd immunity? Or could herd immunity end up out of reach, like some experts have said? So it's important to remember that herd immunity uh, isn't really a national concept. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think of it that way because that's how the president talks. Um, But it doesn't really help us if Maine is at 90 percent vaccinated and Alabama is at 30 percent. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, people travel across the country. So we, we really need herd immunity in every county in the United States or certainly nearly every county in the United States. Um, and we're not entirely sure what where herd immunity is. Um, obviously, we are making huge progress because the COVID numbers are going down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some thought that it is somewhere around 70, 80 percent. So if you want to sort of do some back of the envelope math, and if you looked at national projections, we need another 70 million people in this country, adults, to get fully vaccinated to reach 70 percent of all adults. And at the moment, we're averaging a little more than a million a day. So again, if you do some very rough math at this pace, we'll get there by the end of July. Um, but that assumes we maintain the current pace, which I'm not entirely sure we'll do. You know, if the pace continues to slow down, it may take through August uh, or even September, October to sort of hit that mark. And, and like I said, we, we'll probably get there nationally. But, you know, how long is it going to take for Alabama and Mississippi and Georgia to reach 70% of their population fully vaccinated? You know, the way things are going, um, and unless something changes, it, it's, it may not happen this year. Thinking back to... A few months ago, when the big problem in states was, you know, that they didn't have enough vaccines or that like when they were putting appointments online, their systems were crashing and people weren't able to find appointments and stuff. And now where we're at this problem where demand is the issue and these states are, you know, having to figure out incentive programs and outreach. What does it make you think about sort of like the responsibility state lawmakers and state health providers have had to take on? in this pandemic, you know, to be the people to figure out the logistics of getting people appointments and stuff, and then having to figure out the logistics of like getting people to want these vaccines? Well, one of the problems um, that I think COVID has exposed is lawmakers, by and large, are not public health experts. Um, and, And public health often diverges from politics. You know, we can certainly see that at the national level. Um, and, and it's true, just as true at the state level, right? What's best for public health is not always the wisest course politically. And, you know, or would we tolerate it in America? You know, they can do things in, I mean, it's cliche to point out, but they can do things in China to curb the virus spread that we would never tolerate in this country and, and for good reason. But even we see it now with vaccinations, right? Every state is offering carrots, um, you know, a, a beer, crawfish, a shot, uh, you know, a million dollars, right? They're all sort of carrots to, to get people to get vaccinated. I don't think any state uh, has any appetite for sticks at this point, right? Nobody is mandating the vaccine. I mean, some employers are, uh, but no, no, no lawmaker is really pushing that at this point or looking to prohibit, you know, you from participating in society in some way if you're not vaccinated. And, and even the Biden administration has been very clear that they are not getting in the vaccine passport game at this juncture. Um, you know, and if you were just thinking from a public health perspective, you probably think you want some mix of carrot and stick, right? But, uh, you know, it, it shows how politicians, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but it shows how politics and public health often diverge. All right. 
right. That's our show for this week. I'm Jeremy Siegel, and big thanks to Dan Goldberg from Politico's health team for joining me. To stay up on our latest reporting on the pandemic, be sure to sign up for the Politico Pulse newsletter at politico.com slash newsletters. And if you're not, make sure to subscribe to Pulse Check wherever you're listening. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament, and our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Thank you.